This is episode number 74 of the Church Collective Podcast. In this episode, I interview Josh Wilson about uh, worship leading, songwriting, just all the stuff that you've come to know and love here with the Church Collective. So we're going to hop right in. Here we go. Episode number 74. Well, I actually started music young at piano in fourth grade and guitar and drums in sixth and seventh grade. And I, uh, the first time I started playing in front of people was uh, my, my youth <coughs> worship band. I remember my youth pastor um, asked me to, to play guitar, and so I started doing that in seventh grade and started singing for that in ninth grade and um, started writing songs in high school. They were really bad songs, um, but me and uh, my worship band would go play them at different places and really fell in love with songwriting in college. I, uh, I went to Belmont University in Nashville and uh, kind of sort of writing songs, recorded those independently with a buddy and started playing coffee shops and colleges and any, any place that would have me. And then actually signed my record deal the year I graduated um, college, actually the day I graduated and have been doing it full time since. So that's kind of a nutshell version of where I am now. Yeah, cool. Maybe speak to, you mentioned your first songs were bad. Like speak to that a little <laughs> bit. I'm sure a lot of people are hearing that like, man, my songs are bad too. <laughs> so talk a little bit how you got through that. Well, you know what's funny is you don't know they're bad when you're first starting out. Right. Uh, but for most people, unless you're just a genius, which I'm not, uh, and bad, I, I, that's kind of a subjective term. You don't really know how to write a song. You, you, it's like anything. You've got to start from somewhere. And so you, uh, you just write whatever you know. And a lot of times your songs use lines from other songs you've heard or melodies. And it's kind of all you know. But uh, you kind of have to learn, you know, what, what makes a good song and there are rules, but there's also no rules. Uh, It's music, it's art. And so it's in some ways subjective, but you know, I I had to learn when I got into college that nobody wants to hear like an eight minute song. (laughs) Um, At least not, and not in what I do. I I think there are some contexts when that makes a lot of sense, like in a live show when there's soloing happening or even in a worship context where people are singing along and it's this big moment that might be the context where you want to do that, but you kind of got to learn whatever genre you're writing for. You've got to learn what people expect, what people want to hear, and then, and then find your own voice. So rather than saying what everybody else is saying, you know, say what you want to say and what uh, you have an expertise in, but do it within the context of what, what are the rules for this genre? Sure. So were you, you being brought around to, to lead worship for, for different stuff at that point? Yeah, that's that's actually how I got my start. I was play, you know played in my youth group, and then in college, I actually led worship for a um, for a college ministry here in Nashville at a church. <clears throat> I'd play on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings, and I'd also lead for a youth group. And uh, at first, I would travel and play a whole lot of camps, and um, you know where we sit sit for a week and play worship music uh, with a bunch of students, and and I actually do uh, occasionally still lead worship. I think my primarily my calling is to 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 write song I uh, sorry to, to sing songs that I write more story based songs uh more concert based it's not as not necessarily as participation based as as a, a worship service where sure. you're singing, everybody let's sing together I'm I'm more entertainment um storytelling but but I do still occasionally lead worship. Sometimes people will have me in and they'll say, okay, tonight we want you to lead worship for this service. And then afterwards we'll do a concert right. or it's kind of mixed up in between. But I see them as sort of two different things that 
serve different purposes. Yeah. Can you speak maybe towards how you settled in on how do you, how did you recognize that you weren't necessarily just about worship leading, but really more, you know, songwriter experience kind of a thing? Well, I, I enjoy doing both and I think there's a lot of crossover. It's interesting. Um, when I turn on Christian radio, uh, there are guys like me that, that it's very much story-based where it, this is not, Hey, let's sing this together in church. Some people might, but it's not necessarily, God, I praise you, you know, speaking directly to God. Some of them are, but um, worship leading is more, you know, here's a church service or here's an opportunity for for believers to gather together Mm. and sing corporately and agree on these things that we're singing and sing praises to God. Um, I just feel more naturally gifted uh, or just more naturally called to the area of, of telling a story, um, of being, you know, uh, I, I have no bones about, I, I want to be entertaining. I, I think, I guess that's the difference. I think, um, for what I do, entertainment is a big aspect of it. And I think sure. for worship leading, I don't really think it's entertainment. I think it's, Hey, let's all sing this together. Yeah. Well, speak a little bit. How, how does God move through your storytelling as well? Well, I think story is one of the most powerful things ever. I think the Bible is just chock full of stories. Um, so my life has been redirected, I can think of numerous times, by friends who, when I tell them what I'm going through, they, they don't say, well, this this verse says, and here's this truth and this theological tidbit. It's like they say, hey, I, man, I remember when I was going through this, and let me tell you about that story. And then they tell me. And they don't necessarily give me any answers or, you know, a proof text or a scripture. They just, they just tell a story. And I think, man, that's, that's powerful. I can, I can relate to that. We can all relate to story. Uh, so much of our art is just story-based. Any good movie we see, any good book we read, it's all about the story. And, and I think we're all part of this incredible story of God's redemption. And, uh, and he uses us in his story the way he wants to. And I, I just think, um, uh, that's just fun to me in music to be able to tell stories of, of what God's done in my life or what's happened in friends' life, uh, friends' lives, or um, just sort of by looking around and taking notes. I think all of our stories sort of play into that bigger story of what God's doing. Hmm. Would you say there's a, an overarching story for this latest project? Yeah, it's called That Was Then, This Is Now. And <clears throat> as a song, um, it's it's like the gospel. I mean, it's, you know, first John one nine is the bridge. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that's what that song's about. It's about being dead before Christ being alive. Now that we know him and living in the present and, and where we're headed and letting go of the past. And a lot of the album deals with that. Um, because it's the record title, it, there's a few more implications for me. Uh, my last album, talked a lot about the anxiety that I deal with, um, not just in music and stepping on a stage, but I've dealt with anxiety for a lot of my life. And this is sort of me saying like, okay, this is not something I've figured out or I've arrived or I'm perfect or I don't deal with anymore, but it's me going, um, I feel like God's called me to this and I'm I'm not going to live in a place where I'm paralyzed by that anxiety. So for me, that was then, this is now. Um, I got a song that says, even if I don't feel prepared, even if I got to do it scared, I'm going to take a breath and I'm going to say yes. Mm. And um, <clears throat> so the album is that for me as well. But it explores sort of the whole Christian walk. So it's not like we meet Jesus and we're like, okay, I got it all figured out. No more questions, no more struggles. There's a song called House Divided that that is says, you know, talks about that old nature that we still struggle with. Um, and the course says, I'm a house divided, but I've decided I'm going to fight it. 
Um, there's a song called Don't Let Go. It's my wrestle with doubt. I think we all, if we're honest, have questions and doubts. So, yeah, it's, it's sort of the, the, the range of, of, of what it means to follow Jesus Christ. And it's not that we've arrived, but that we're on a journey and we're headed somewhere. Yeah, I think that's super powerful that you, um, you recognize, I guess, the weaknesses, if you will. Like, do you have any encouragement for the, the worship leader that's listening? I mean, it seems, especially in church work, like we have to hold down any of our things that might be considered a weakness? Like, do you have any encouragement for people to embrace that and how to step out and just say, no, this is me? Yeah. Well, you know, we're told to, to boast in our weakness uh, because where we are weak, he is strong. And that's not that's not to say we're supposed to get up on stage and say, hey, here's everywhere I'm weak. Here are all my shortcomings. You know, it's not like we're supposed to air our dirty laundry to an entire congregation. Certainly, we need to find those individual people in our life where we say, Hey, I'm struggling with this. I need you to help me. I need you to keep me accountable. But I think some people, and I'm guilty of this, think that if I call myself a Christian, I've got to have it all together. Mm. And um, my pastor once said, it's quite the opposite. The second I tell you I'm a Christian, I am literally confessing I'm broken. I don't have it all together. And that's why I need a Savior. That's why I need Jesus Christ. That's why I call myself a Christian. And so we don't have to have it all together. Um, in fact, that the moments that we think we do or we feel like we're supposed to pretend that, um, we're kind of saying, I don't need Jesus. So um, questions are, are not a bad thing. Um, I believe we're supposed to search for answers. Uh, and uh, I got, sometimes I get caught up in all of my questions. But my brother-in-law once told me, he said, questions don't mean you have a weak faith. They mean you take your faith seriously. And so I think at all times we should all be saying, okay, well, what's, what's behind this? Why do I believe this? And strengthening our faith in that way. But yeah, weakness is uh, something we, we're not super excited to show, but when we boast in our weakness, we, we boast in Christ's strength. Yeah, that's good. Do you um, have a circle, <clears throat> circle of people that you can be like transparent with in that? And like, how did you go about like really getting them set up? Yeah, I do. Now I travel a lot and so I'm not often at my church on a Sunday morning. So um, I'll keep up with uh, sermons via the internet when I can, and our, our pastor streams the service so I can, I can tune in and watch. But that's not necessarily where all of that, that deep accountability and community comes from. So I have a, a group. Actually, this last few years, uh, my wife and I have a group. There's three other couples that we've <clears throat> certainly uh, grown closer to and, and walked through some pretty tough things with. We've all been able to be honest about our struggles and our victories and our hopes and our fears, and that's kind of been a context for that. And then on top of that, I have a few other guy friends here in Nashville that I'm completely transparent with. And um, and then my band um, <clears throat> on the road, we've, we've tried to be more intentional about building um, – just a safe place for each other to, to grow. So every, every morning, every afternoon, we're all, we all try to be on the same page. It's not like we're this super spiritual group, but I mean, we, before every concert, we always get together and someone shares a devotional and we pray and we sort of connect and try to keep each other accountable there. So I've got these pockets of community in different places because I travel that, um, are always a safe place for that. Yeah. So, I mean, would you say that you at any point kind of stepped out and like tried to find this big accountability group? Uh, I guess what I'm, what I'm hearing, you didn't necessarily do that, but it really came organically out of the friendships and the relationships you had in your own life. 
Well, the the couples here in Nashville, that was very intentional. Okay, cool. We were also in this place in life where we were like, man, we were craving consistent community. But at the time, all four of us, all four of the husbands were traveling musicians. Mm. Um, and so we said, we need something on a Tuesday night that we can all get together and have some stability and um, just a place where we can all connect. So that was very intentional. Okay. Yeah, the rest are more just organic friendships. But this was a very, hey, we need to get together and pray have a meal, you know, we've studied a couple books and uh, just a time to, to be intentional. That's cool. So um, are you plugged into your local church? Do you do music there very often? I've never played music there. Okay. Um, that's partly intentional. I just, it's a place where I want to just be fed and not have to, because my job is to go play music. So it's yeah. nice to sit in a congregation and just sing along. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm getting more and more involved. I'm actually going on a men's retreat next month. Uh, with the church. I'm so excited. I'm just a participant. I'm not doing anything there, just being a part of that. And just yesterday I was on the website looking up men's Bible studies during the week that I can go like on a morning and go be a part of. So we're, we're definitely, we're expecting our first child in two months. Nice. So, uh, yeah, so we're, we're trying to get more plugged in, you know, as a family in our church. Okay. Do you have any, um, encouragement, I guess, for a worship leader that I mean, you say like that's got to be life giving to be able to be plugged into your church and not necessarily do what you're always doing. But um, maybe in the local worship leader context, you have any encouragement for them um, as far as like how they can be encouraged by their church and get plugged in without necessarily getting burned out on doing the music all the time. Yeah, it's interesting because I I, tr- I play a lot of Sunday mornings at churches all over the country, and it's interesting to see the cultures of each church and how the worship team is involved. And and to me, it's kind of like if you're on stage during a worship service, I think that's a, a wonderful thing and it's much needed, but it's almost like that worship service is not the place where you can necessarily be fed because, uh, because you're up there pouring out. And of course you can worship from the stage. Uh, and of course you can be fed by a sermon. I, I like to see like, I like to see the worship team go and sit down in the congregation and actually listen to the sermon because a lot of times that doesn't happen, but that's a great place to be fed. But um, I would imagine, I'm not a full-time worship leader at a church, so I I can't speak from experience, but I would imagine it would be easy to sort of get used to that routine and think of a Sunday morning as work and think of it as, you know, something you want to do excellent and you want to do well, but may not be the best place to sit down and just be fed. And so, um, Maybe like me, you need to, to reach out into some other worship leaders in your community and just say, hey, do you all want to get together on a Tuesday morning and pray and talk about what you're doing at your church? And, um, you know, not necessarily even to strategize about ways to, to make your worship service better, but just to just to build each other up. And, you know, working with, with your, your peers uh, at maybe at a different church, you can be a little more honest. Uh, my dad's a pastor, and I know he struggles with not necessarily being able to just go to anybody and say, hey, here's what I'm dealing with, because there are people at his church, and he feels like, man, if I tell them I'm going through this, what are they going to think when I'm standing up on the stage? But he actually has a group of pastors. They get together, and they pray together and share their struggles. And that seems to be a pretty good model to me of a play, a safe place, yeah. to, to be honest, uh, with with somebody about what you're going through. Sure. That's cool. What are you um, doing lately to... Like fill your spiritual well. Like what, what's God been working with you? I think um, trust is is something that God has been working with me on. Especially having our first kid, uh, I realize whatever 
sense of control I feel like I have in my life, which I know none of us are in control, but sometimes we feel that way just because we can plan our schedules and things. I, I, I feel like that's all about to change with, with the baby. Um, and so that trust is something God's been teaching me. I've been reading a lot. <clears throat> I've been stuck in Romans. I mean, for as a good thing, I've, my cousin and I have been memorizing Romans 8, which I'm kind of slacking on. I need to get back on that. But uh, that's the no condemnation verse, which which means so much to me. Um, and I, I kind of have been going back to that every day. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin death. All these life-giving things, not because of what I'm doing, but because of who God is. And as he's teaching me to trust, he's teaching me, okay, I'm not the one in control. That's a good thing. Um, mainly, main thing I need to know is that I'm, I'm in Christ. I'm free. I can let go of my past and, and trust where God is taking me. And, um, as this new baby comes into the picture, I can trust he's got good plans for that. Um, I actually just read, um, I've started the screw tape letters about five times and never finished it. (laughs) And I just finished it for the first time. And it's so good. You know, each chapter is kind of a nice little standalone study of, of, maybe what the enemy is doing behind the scenes and it's so eye-opening but yeah i just finished that uh my cousin's reading the great divorce and we've been talking a lot about that i'm, I'm a, i love c.s lewis i haven't i read all of his works but his fiction seems to be the one the books that speak to me the most the great divorce screw tape letters i've read his space trilogy and the way he he sort of just like explores like the christian worldview through these different scenarios has always been so incredible. Again, back to story. He tells incredible stories. Yeah. So, yeah, Screw Tape has been pretty uh, encouraging. It's kind of odd for a, a book about <laughs> demons uh, conversing with each other about how to deceive humans it can right. be encouraging, but but to know that we have the, the other side, uh, we're, we're on the other side is always encouraging. Sure. Yeah. Um, in, in your own life, too, do you do you see like periods of dryness coming like or how do you stave off like obviously you're you're getting fed a bunch with a lot of cool stuff that you're reading and things like that but um how do you make sure to like keep yourself in the habit of doing that while you're so busy with everything oh man there's there's definitely seasons of dryness i mean i go days and weeks without reading anything and uh, that that may <laughs> that may come as a shock to people i don't know i'm just being honest i feel like we all go through seasons of that. Um, I, I feel like I'm in a good place right now. And it's not like if I'm reading the Bible every day, God loves me more, is more happy with me, but I certainly feel more connected to who God is and, and what he's doing whenever I am digging in. And I think um, back to C.S. Lewis, he, he talks, I, I don't know, I, I think it's mere Christianity where he talks about in those seasons, if you keep, you keep doing the things that you would do, if you felt like you believed, then eventually your feelings will catch up. But I'm a big believer in that feelings are good, and I think they serve a purpose, but they can't always be trusted. Um, I've got a song called Faith is Not a Feeling, and um, I think in those seasons of dryness, you just you keep pressing on, and um, you're not any more or less of a Christian if, if you don't feel God's presence or you don't feel like you believe or if you're in a season of drought. Our performance has nothing to do with God's love or our salvation. It's all about what Jesus did, and... Um, I, man, I think there's seasons for everybody, um, and I, there's no formula. It's not like if you read this scripture and you pray this prayer, you're going to be back in a good season. I think, I think we serve God no matter what what season we're in, and sometimes that's a season of drought. That's good encouragement. 
Thanks for listening. As always, if you could head over to iTunes, leave us a rating and a review. It really helps us become more visible over there. Also, head over to thechurchcollective.com and uh, hit that contact form and connect with us. There's so many ways to get plugged in, and uh, being a part of the community is just truly a blessing. So we hope you have a great day, and we'll talk soon.